Hello and welcome to Joel Johnson's Money Wisdom. I'm John Stillman, alongside Joel Johnson, Certified Financial Planner and the CEO of Johnson Brunetti, the official wealth management partner of the Yukon Huskies. He's been published in Forbes and the Wall Street Journal. He hosts Better Money every weekend on the Saturday and Sunday morning news with Kara Sundlin. He's also appeared as an analyst on Fox Business and Fox Connecticut. The author of six of his own books, including The Money Map and Forced to Retire. He is husband to Wendy, father to Brendan, Michael, Joel, and Noah, and he's here to share his wisdom with us today. Joe, I'm curious to know, the market really hasn't reacted very much, if at all, to further seemingly dramatic developments in the Paul Manafort, Michael Cohen drama surrounding Donald Trump. Is that a surprise to you, that the market hasn't really reacted adversely? No, I, I wouldn't say it's a surprise. Uh, I think there's two things going on here. One is people are just fatigued by the uh, craziness, shall we call it, that's going on, you know, between what's happening from the White House to, you know, the nonstop deluge of, of news um, on, you know, what's going right and what's going wrong, mostly what's going wrong. Um, you know, the president not being able to stay off his Twitter uh, account and then all the news reacting to that. And, you know, I, I think people are just tired. I mean, I was talking to somebody the other day. I was down in Pennsylvania um, visiting some friends, and, and we were talking about it. And I think people are just tired. A lot of people just stopped watching the news. Um, I also think some of this was baked into the um, to the to the markets. I mean, the markets, you know, the markets do what the markets are going to do, and they tend to have a way of anticipating uh, news out there. That's why they call the markets a leading economic indicator. Um, when the markets start going down, it's usually a while before uh, the economy starts going down. When the market starts going up, you can think of in 2009 when the market started going up. Uh, that was before the economy actually showed evidence of something good going on. And so I think the markets have sort of anticipated this. They probably are anticipating the president getting in a little bit more trouble with the you know bad news coming out. Um, but the underlying economy seems to be good, or at least according to the traders and where the big money is in the market. So it doesn't surprise me that the market did not take a hit. Now, I will say, I think if the president gets in more trouble, I think if there's a uh, real talk of impeachment or some kind of an indictment, um, you know, I, I would think we'd see a stalling in the market. But who knows? You just don't know. That's why even the best investors can't predict markets. And if they are right for a little while, they tend to be wrong after that. And so you just have to make sure that you have the right asset allocation, that you're building a plan. You're not just focusing only on your investments, but you've got a plan and things will be okay in the long run. Very good. So good to get your take on that, Joel. Let's jump into a conversation that sort of relates to what you were just talking about because a lot of people are enjoying that run up in the market. Joe, what percentage of your clients consider themselves, and obviously you'll have to guess on this percentage, I don't expect you to have it in a pie chart, but what percentage consider themselves to be comfortable with risk and what percentage would consider themselves to be risk averse? I would say definitely more than half would consider themselves risk averse, but let's just define risk averse. It just means that they don't want to lose more than a certain amount of money. They might only be willing to lose 5 or 10% of their portfolio at the most. And other than that, they just don't want to lose more. But keep in mind, our clients are mostly retired or getting close to retirement, I would say within five years of retirement. And so many of them feel like they've done well financially. They don't need to take a bunch of risk for their, for their retirement plans to work out fine. They just need to preserve their principal, get a reasonable rate of return. 
return. So uh, by that definition, preserving principal and getting a reasonable rate of return, most of our clients are, are somewhat risk averse. Now, this is kind of an interesting conversation to have right now because I'm still of the belief that most people do not understand the risk that they're taking. Uh, we have been in a bull market now since 09. There's been a few glitches here and there, um, but they've been very short. In fact, the biggest shock to the market only lasted for about nine days and the market popped right back within the next three or four days. So there's real complacency out there. There's real complacency among the American public. And also, if you think back to how much money you had 10 years ago compared to how much money you have now, even if the market drops 10%, the loss today is a lot more. 10% is on a bigger amount today than it was 10 years ago. So I think there's going to be a rude wake-up call but I would say most of our clients, well over 50%, just don't want to lose any money in the market. And probably a majority of the other 50% probably are only willing to lose 5 to 10% in the long run. So it's probably a good approach for retirees or people getting close to retirement. It's probably a good approach for them. And I would say most financial advisors, in my opinion, are probably not serving their clients very well because they still have way too much market exposure for their clients. Okay, well, let's wander down that road. How often does someone's portfolio match their feeling about risk when they come in to meet with you? Let's assume that half or more consider themselves risk averse. Uh, What percentage actually have a portfolio that matches that feeling? I would say, and we do an analysis for everybody that comes in, we do, uh, we, we ask them a series of questions and it's not those generic questions that we've all seen. I mean, it's pretty deep, detailed questions. Um, to find out what exactly their risk tolerance is. And we actually boil it down to numbers um, based on their portfolio, the actual amount of money, dollars, that they would be willing to lose, not just a percentage. So it's kind of a unique system. And I would guess 80% of the people are taking more risk than they think they are. 80%. It's huge. It's, it's ridiculous. And a big chunk of that 80% are already working with advisors. So not only are they taking more risk than they should be from from their emotional standpoint, but they think they're okay because they're working with a stockbroker. So I guess my question there is why? Why are they taking that risk? Is it because they don't know the risk is there or have they been convinced, okay, well, let's, let's take advantage of this growth as long as we can? Why is this happening? I think it's a combination of both. Uh, I think they don't know the risk is there, and sometimes their advisor may be somewhat immature, maybe younger, maybe doesn't have a lot of money themselves. And so um, the advisor doesn't understand the risk, so they've been, they've been underserved, getting poor advice. Um, but then also, again, the markets, people have made so much money over the last 10 years if they've been exposed to the market. And, you know, that bell is going to toll. I mean, that market is going to turn down. So it's a combination, I think, of getting some bad advice, um, but also just not even remembering um, in a deep emotional way what can happen when that market turns. Well, we've referenced this a couple of times here, taking that risk to take advantage of the growth. And I think for a lot of people, they see eliminating risk as eliminating the potential for growth. Is there a way that you can significantly reduce the portfolio risk without also significantly reducing your opportunities to participate in that growth? Well, sure. There are, there are a couple of ways. The traditional way of reducing portfolio risk is to move from stocks to fixed income. So let's say um, I'm an investor and I'm getting close to retirement and I used to have 75% of my money in stock funds and 25% in bond funds. Um, you know, Maybe as I get close to retirement, I want to get that down to 60% in stock funds and 40% in bond funds. What have I done there? I've 
protected my downside because stocks have more downside than bonds, but I've also allowed my money to be in the position where if the market keeps going up, I'll still continue to make good money. Now, here's the problem right now. The bond market is coming off this bull run. What does that mean? Because interest rates have been going down for so many years. Bonds have been going up. Bonds are a really bad place, in my opinion, to have money right now because as interest rates start to go up, and this has already happened, as interest rates start to go up, bond prices are going to go down. You're going to sit in a bond fund that maybe has a 3% yield or a 5% yield, but as interest rates go up, it's going to eat up that yield because the value of the shares will go down or the prices of those bonds will go down. We've got to find an alternative right now unless you want to throw your money into the market. And that alternative for what we've been using for our clients, we've been using insurance products. We've been using insurance products where they guarantee that you can't lose any money, but if the market keeps going up, you'll still capture that upside. Just think of it as this. In a bond, in a conservative bond portfolio right now, Again, conservative investment grade bonds, not being too long-term oriented, so five to six years on the duration of your bond, you may get 3%, but to get that 3% yield, you're taking a significant amount of risk and you could lose money as interest rates go up. You can use an insurance product to do that. You cap your downside so you make you get a 100% guarantee that you won't lose any money. And over the long term, you're going to probably average, again, historically speaking, 4 to 6% in an insurance product where you're 100% guaranteed. Now, there's pros and cons to that. You've got to make a time commitment on some of your money. But that is better, in my opinion, at least this is where a chunk of my money is and a chunk of my dad's money is. That's much better than having an overexposure to bonds, which are supposed to be safe, which, again, right now are not very safe because interest rates are probably going to continue to go up. Well, Well, so how can somebody know exactly how much financial risk is appropriate for their situation? How do we nail that down and know this is the amount of risk I should be taking for my stage in life and the way I feel about risk? Well, you've got to get an analysis. And and we have two uh, systems that we use to give you an analysis that nails down very much right down to a percentage of your money based on your responses and the history you've had investing money. It'll give you a percentage of your money that should be exposed to the market and a percentage of your money that should be in things that do not go up and down with the stock market. We can do that analysis for you. We'd love you to come into our office and get that analysis done. It's part of our money map retirement review. So come on in, get that analysis. It's unique. Even if you don't plan to ever become our client, get the analysis. It'll be valuable for you. And in fact, think about it. You've saved, you've invested for so many years. You're maybe set up for retirement or you're already in retirement. What do you do to make sure your money is protected? What do you do to make sure you can continue to get a reasonable rate of return, but not take the type of risk that is going to hurt you, that's going to set you back, that's going to have you feeling regretful because you look back and go, oh, if I just would have sold back then, if I would have just got out. We don't want you to do that, but you also can't put all your money in CDs. You won't even keep up with inflation. So what this analysis does is it shows you exactly how much risk you're taking compared to the amount of risk that you say that you want to be taking. We give you concrete steps to minimize that risk. We turn your money into an income-producing machine, a machine that will produce income for you every month, whether you want it today or whether you just want to reinvest that for the future. Make sure that you don't have a tax time bomb on your hands because uh, you're setting yourself up for your kids or for you to lose control of your taxes in the long run. And we'll do this for you. It starts out with a retirement analysis. We do that risk that we've been talking about. We do that risk analysis for you. It's not going to cost you a nickel. So, you know, give us a buzz. Come on and get that. You'll enjoy sitting down with us. Again, even if you don't be 
become a client. We are very excited to do this analysis for you. Give us a call at 1-800-705-1232. Again, 1-800-705-1232. You can also text that number, 800-705-1232. If you text... Leave your first and last name. We'll get back to you and set up a time for you to come into one of our offices and get your customized Money Map Retirement Review. A big component of that is the risk analysis. How much risk are you taking? What's going to happen when the market acts like it normally does to your portfolio? I think you're going to be surprised when you see it. 800-705-1232 is the number to call. That's 800 705 no cost or obligation to come in and get that Money Map Retirement Review for yourself. You'll also get a copy of one of Joel's books. The Money Map is the most popular. There are others he's written that you can choose from. If you feel one of those fits your situation better, 800-705-1232. Call or text. As Joel said, just be sure to include your first and last name if you text. 800-705-1232. You're listening to Joel Johnson's Money Wisdom. Joel is a certified financial planner and the CEO of Johnson Brunetti, the official wealth management partner of the Yukon Huskies, and the author of six books, including most famously, The Money Map. All right, Joel, we're going to play a little game of agree or disagree. I want to hear where you fall on some of these often contentious issues in the financial realm. Uh, The first one for you, agree or disagree, individual bonds are better than bond funds. Well, once again, here's one where it depends. Right now, right now as we talk, interest rates are beginning to move up. The Fed has already made statements that they are committed to moving interest rates up slowly. So if you own a bond fund, the problem with that is there's no maturity date on a bond fund. What I simply mean is you can't put $10,000 in a bond today, in a bond fund today, and know that five years from now, you're going to get your 10000 back and you've collected a bunch of interest. So the problem with bond funds right now is unless there are these specialty managed bond funds, and we use some of them, most bond funds are going to lose ground when interest rates go up. So if you buy individual bonds right now and you hold them until maturity, you know exactly what your yield to maturity is going to be. If you put in X amount of dollars today, you know exactly what you're going to get when that bond matures and you're going to collect interest along the way. So as a safeguard against rising interest rates, for the most part, individual bonds are better than bond funds. Unless you can get those specialty bond funds, we use a few of them, but those specialty bond funds that are hedging against interest rates going up, it's a pretty tough road to hoe there. And I'd be very, very cautious about bond funds. Now, I'm not telling you to move into stocks. Don't necessarily just move into stocks because I don't like bond funds right now, but be very cautious about owning bond funds. You might want to go to some of the different strategies and products out there that can be used or even just sit in cash and know that part of your money is safe. What do most people have? For people that are investing in the bond world in some form or fashion, are they in individual bonds or bond funds? Most people are in bond funds. In their 401k, they're in bond funds. Outside their 401k, they're in bond funds. It, it is a little tricky to buy individual bonds. Uh, it's an area where most individual investors can get ripped off trying to buy individual bonds. Uh, they don't get good prices. They don't even know they get bad prices because that you know the markup or the markdown on a sale is not disclosed. And so uh, most people do have funds. And, and I will say many people should have bond funds, but 
right now it's just a high risk investment. You better be working with an advisor that knows how to pick the right bond funds that hedge or just buy some individual bonds. Just make sure you're getting good prices and hold them to maturity. Yeah, I hadn't really thought about it from the standpoint of the 401k. Obviously, you only have the bond fund option in the 401k, which is probably another reason why rolling money out of that 401k when you have a chance is a good thing to do. But that's probably another conversation for another day. Well, uh, now that you mentioned that, John, though, you know, a lot of people don't realize that at age 55 or 59 and a half, almost every 401k allows you to move some money out. So if you want to get out of those mutual fund options, especially the bond fund options in your 401k, or you just want a little more control and flexibility with your money, for most people, it makes sense to move that money out or a portion of that 401k money out, roll it over tax-free into an IRA, and then you have much more flexibility and control over those investments. All right. Another agree or disagree item here for you, Joel. Agree or disagree, it's better to buy mutual funds or ETFs. ETFs instead of individual stocks. So this is a little similar to the bond question, right, John? It's it's individual bonds versus bond funds. Here we're talking about buying mutual funds or ETFs, which are a form of funds, as opposed to individual stocks. And by the way, do you want to take just a second to explain the difference between mutual funds and ETFs? We're kind of lumping them together here, but you want to give us a quick tutorial on the difference there? Well, the big difference between a mutual fund and an exchange-traded fund, that's what ETF stands for, is an ETF I can get in and out of any time when the market is open. So if I look at my portfolio at 12 noon on a Monday and the ETF is priced at $100 a share, I can get out right then and there at $100 a share. A mutual fund, if I want to get out, I get out based on the end of the day pricing and I don't even know what that end of the day pricing is because I've got to put in my order before the market closes. And then we do the calculation of the net asset value of that fund, the value of all the stocks individually, and they crunch it all together into one price. Then I get out. So one of the advantages of an exchange traded fund over a mutual fund is I can get in and out at any time. Also, exchange traded funds tend to be much more tax efficient. Your typical mutual fund is buying and selling different stocks during the year. The analyst and the money managers is trying to match maximize the rate of return by buying the good stuff and selling the bad stuff or what's good and bad in their opinion. ETFs, you typically just own a basket of stocks. So for instance, I own a bunch of different ETFs. Uh, I own one that's the top 100 companies in the NASDAQ market, and it's weighted by the value of the company. So for instance, uh, 8% of that particular ETF I own is in Google. Uh, If Google starts dropping in value and Apple goes up in value, then it's going to shift automatically to own a little less Google and a little more Apple. That's how that particular ETF works. But it's going to shift based on new money coming in. What that simply means is that I'm not creating any tax liability like I would be if that happened in a fund. I know this gets a little technical there, but for the most part, ETFs can be more favorable than owning funds. Now, should you own individual stocks? Well, owning individual stocks gets a lot more tricky for the average investor, and quite frankly, even the institutional investor. Most people would be better off owning funds or ETFs than individual stocks. Now, I know what some advisors out there are saying. They're saying, oh, well, stocks are much cheaper to own. You're paying additional fees if you own ETFs and mutual funds. You know what? What I care about is if I put a dollar in 10 years ago, how much do I have today? And if somebody's making a little bit of money on that, like Fidelity or managing a mutual fund and, and I give my money to Fidelity, I don't really care. If I've got $10 after making a dollar investment 10 years ago, 
I would rather have that than owning individual stocks and only getting $6. I'd rather have the 10 bucks and have paid some extra fees because at the end of the day, I still got my 10 bucks. I might have paid some fees, but I got my 10 bucks. I could say, well, gee, if I own stocks, uh, you know, I wouldn't have all those extra fees. Yeah, but I've only got $6. So it's always about the end result. What do you have at the end result when you're trying to figure out which is better and which is worth? I own both. I own mutual funds. I own ETFs. I own individual stocks. My dad owns ETFs, mutual funds, individual stocks. You've got to get the mix right, but you've also got to reduce your risk. And many people get hurt because they think all they should own is individual stocks. And then they've got to figure out when to buy, when to sell. Most people get that wrong. Most big institutions get that wrong. So we hesitate in playing that game. We build beautiful portfolios for clients with many different securities that automatically rebalance based on what's doing well and get rid of the things that aren't doing very well. Okay. How about this one, Joel? Agree or disagree annuities are a ripoff. So either I'm an idiot or the people that are saying annuities are always a ripoff are wrong. It's one of the two because I own annuities and a significant amount of my mom and dad's money, well over 50% is in annuities. Now, I hesitate to even say that because there's four different types of annuities. There's confusion about annuities. There's people out there that are bashing annuities just to get you to buy their managed account. Uh, There are also people out there that saying everybody should have 100% of their money in annuities just so they can earn higher commissions. I will tell you a certain type of annuity right now that we use is a great alternative than a bond or a bond fund. That's why I own my annuities. That's why my dad owns his. That's why my mother-in-law has annuities. That doesn't mean they're right for you, but to say annuities are always a ripoff, I think is just either completely dishonest or naive. I I don't believe there's any in between. They're either naive, if somebody says that, or they're dishonest. And um, I will go out on a limb and say that, but I have no problem backing that up. Annuities can be very appropriate for some people. Now, you don't want to buy the kind where the insurance company keeps your money. You don't want to do that. You don't want to buy the kind where there's all kinds of hidden fees. You don't want to do that. You want to buy annuity that you understand, that gives you a good rate of return. And again, I'm not saying you personally should have an annuity. I'm just telling you what my experience is. We've got a lot of happy clients, though, because when the market goes down, they don't lose any money. When the market goes up, they participate. And they have that product along with their stocks, bonds, their mutual funds, their other portfolio where they have liquidity. It just blends in really well to give people a reasonable rate of return, but not have that amount of risk if you try to do all that with stocks and bonds. We're getting you fired up today, Joel, and I like that. Uh, Last one for you, agree or disagree, you should start your Social Security as early as possible to ensure that you get your money out of the system. No, I disagree. Any kind of blanket statements like this, we were talking about some earlier, just, just played wrong. And people are either trying to sell you something or they're naive. That's just like saying everybody should wait as long as possible to get Social Security. You've got to do an analysis on your own situation. If Social Security is the only asset you have, that's the only type of income that you're going to get in retirement, you should probably wait as long as possible to get it unless you're sick. But if that is just a piece of your overall picture, if you've got investments, if you've got 401ks, if you've got 403bs, if you've got brokerage accounts, if you have a pension coming in, Social Security needs to be coordinated with all those different things. Maybe you should take it as early as possible. Maybe you should wait as long as possible. That's why you've got to have an analysis. In fact, everything we've been talking about today on the program so far, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, annuities, are you taking too much risk? We talked about the risk analysis. All of that is covered in our Money Map Retirement Review. You need to get 
our Money Map Retirement Review. You need to go through this process. We'll do an income analysis to figure out how much income you need off of your investments after considering Social Security and pensions. We'll do a risk analysis so you're not taking more risk than you realize. Most of you are. At least that's what we see with folks coming in for an appointment. And we'll put the whole thing on one-page plan. It's simple. It's easy to understand. It's great if you have a partner that you can talk about this one-page plan and both of you are on the same page, so to speak. Um, No pun intended there. But get the money map. You'll be glad you did whether you ever become a client or not. I can tell you people leave our office with a greater degree of confidence, more peace of mind, feeling better about their future. It's called the money map, an income analysis, a risk analysis, and your whole financial life on one page. Call now, 1-800-705-1232. We'll take the next 10 callers, set up a time to come in and get your money map in one of our offices. It's easy. There's no pressure. 1-800-705-1232. Set up your time. And by the way, if you want to text, just leave your first and last name at 800 800- 705-1232. We'll get back to you and set up a time for us to visit with you. You'll get a copy of Joel's book, The Money Map, when you come in for your Money Map Retirement Review. Again, that number to call or text, whichever you prefer, 800-705-1232. That's 800-705-1232. Call or text 800 705 one, two, three, two. We're up against the clock. That's all we have time for today. Thanks so much for tuning in to Joel Johnson's Money Wisdom. Have a great week. We'll talk with you next week. Same time, same place. Investment advisory services offered through JB Capital LLC, a registered investment advisor. Insurance products and services are offered and sold through individually licensed and appointed agents in all appropriate jurisdictions.